2: Welcome into the 24 seven sports football recruiting podcast. My name is Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for tuning in. It is Friday, August 19th. Remember to like this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel as we continue our charge towards the college football season. And to do so today, we've got National Recruiting Editor Brandon Huffman of 247 Sports to break down the top five uncommitted players in the West region. Huff, we're resetting the board in a way. I think a lot of activity has happened this summer, obviously with the official visits, and a lot of commitments, a lot of the top players coming off the board. But now, I think the attention turns to some of those big names. We're going to talk Mateo Uyo from St. John Bosco, the five star defensive lineman who also plays some tight end there in the South Southern California powerhouse. We're going to talk Juice Robinson, the number one tight end in the country from the state of Arizona, two players from the state of Utah, the top two rated players, Tausilia Kana and Spencer Fano. And then we're going to round it out with Roderick Pleasant, the speedy, speedy cornerback uh, from Gardena Sarah also in Southern California. But Huff, we get there how are you doing how uh how was your trip to nashville hey the trip to nashville was productive
1: it was efficient it was great it was enjoyable and frankly i was surprised that i wasn't as hot there as i was when i got home to seattle which is going under a mini heat wave this week when i when i got to the airport and i was walking in my car my goodness, I was like, I was cooler when I was in Nashville wearing jeans and a long shirt. So, hey, it's that five-week of summer that Seattle gets every year by people come up here and get suckered into moving up here and end up living here long-term like, you know, me 18 years ago.
2: Yeah, yeah. Are you regretting that? <laughs> oh, I've been regretting it since 18 years ago, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... It's one of those things where I think we're so well traveled in a way that we get a we get a sense of uh, different climates. Stepping out of that plane in Nashville this last week, I was with Greg Biggins, we were on the same those same flights out of Southern California, and you did get a sense of the humidity, but it wasn't as hot as it is out here. So that's something that a lot of these recruits are going to start to experience as it takes some official visits, especially down South, especially to other time zones. And let's kick off with, with one of them that is going to be hitting the road to Maybe potentially get his final things in order, check some final boxes as it relates to his college contenders. Mateo Uyangalele, very familiar with the recruiting process. His brother DJ, the quarterback at Clemson, obviously went through the process a few years ago and... He's been well-traveled as well. He's been out on the road. He's been able to see some of the schools that are high on his recruiting list. What's the latest that we've been able to gather on Mateo Lele as he continues to narrow his recruiting focus?
1: Yeah, you know, it's interesting. When you look at DJ's recruitment, he wrapped his up in April of his junior year so he could have his senior year free from having to worry about the recruiting process. Mateo, a much quieter person, even, you know, a, a, a lower-profile on social media in comparison to dj but yet his recruitment is continuing to go right now it looks like there's three schools that are kind of out front uh, and that would be ohio state oregon and usc alabama has been working to try to get a visit from him uh, they've been trying to stay in the race for mateo but it just hasn't happened now that may be a visit he takes this fall and then i think if that ends up happening then you absolutely have to take alabama into serious consideration in this friend of his raymond Polito, who actually Transferred to Bosco uh, for a few months, went back home uh, to Apple Valley, just committed to Alabama over the weekend. But right now, it looks like Ohio State, Oregon, and USC are kind of standing out front. Now, Blair, you and I have talked about this on West of the Rest. We've already seen Los Angeles go to the Big Ten this year. With USC and UCLA's decision to leave the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, could Mateo be greedy? USC and UCLA in the Big Ten. Ohio State is certainly hoping so. Obviously, Larry Johnson's development of defensive linemen, of pass rushers. You go back to the Bosa Twins, Chase Young. You know, there, there's been a number of elite pass rushers. And even right now, you got two sophomores in Jack Sawyer and, of course, JT Tumolowau, who was, for the majority of the 2021 recruiting cycle, the number one player in the country per 24-7 sports who could have also been an elite tight end, much like Mateo. So Ohio State's still trying. Obviously, Oregon really tried. They were down there, down the stretch for DJ, ultimately saw him go to Clemson and then the hometown school USC, which they seem to prioritize Bryce Young over DJ. Maybe if DJ ends up staying in Southern California, Mateo's already committed there. But right now, Oregon, Ohio State, and USC seem to have been taking kind of the lead in. Very interestingly enough, we mentioned Alabama there. If you go back to JT Twimolo's recruitment, those four schools were all involved as well as hometown Washington in his case. Uh, But all three of those schools, Ohio State, Oregon, USC, you know, All have different reasons for why they could be considered a very strong contender. So I think there's still gonna be a couple more twists and turns there in Mateo's recruitment. Obviously, Alabama, if they can get a visit, that's gonna be a big kind of wrench thrown into those other three schools' plans of just having to try to fight against each other.
2: It's interesting that Clemson has never really been in the picture for Mateo Lele, And then that's, I'm not sure what to read into that. Obviously, he's his own person, but I, I would have assumed that Clemson. Haven't already taken one would want to get the brother as well, uh, considering his upside as well, right? He's number nine, uh, number eight overall nationally in the 24 seven sports rankings, the number two edge rated pass rusher in the class, number three among players in the state of California. Really, really big kid, about 265, 270, uh, at about six five. So a lot to like there, but I think Mateo in a way early on in his process always said he's going to be able to do things independently of his brother. He's going to, you know, take his looks and and his options and really assess everything. And and I think he's been to Ohio State a number of times, locally USC has been able to get him on campus a few times, Oregon, never really count them out for a, for a top tier prospect out West. But when I look at that list of three schools, the school that I think has the most to lose there in terms of like they need Mateo the most, that would be USC, right? Like Lincoln Riley, this is his, this is his first true recruiting class, the top player at one of the better schools here locally in, in Southern California. This is his opportunity to make a statement. Yeah, I mean, you,
1: you look at what happened when Lincoln Riley got
2: the job last year. Damani
1: Jackson had just opened up his recruitment. He was a longtime commit to USC. He opened it up to USC and Alabama, was ultimately able to keep him in the fold. Didn't get a David Bailey, but was able to flip in the next class, Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon. But... Mateo is much bigger than just the football player. I mean, that that's a momentum type of recruit. And we've seen some players in the Southland again this year having no problem leaving the region. We're seeing, I mean, the whole reason we started West of the Rest a couple of years ago is because of how many guys from the Pac-12 footprint were leaving the region. Now, Oregon's trying to have something to say about that, trying to keep them there. But if you're USC and you're going to be playing in the Big Ten in two years from now, you need big athletic defensive lineman, you need big athletic offensive linemen to be able to make that seamless transition. You also don't want to lose guys in your own backyard. And, you know, one of the things that's been talked about a bunch since the decision by USC and UCLA to go to the Big Ten is, what is this going to do for recruiting the Southland? Is this going to make it even easier for Big Ten schools to come into Southern California and now recruit those guys? Is it going to make it more difficult for USC and UCLA to keep the local kids home? You don't want to lose a year and a half, two years before you make that move. You don't want to lose a Los Angeles kid playing at St. John Bosco, one of the schools that you're going to recruit, you're going to set up camp at year after year, you don't want to lose him to another Big Ten school. It's almost like you could handle losing him to Oregon if you're USC because they're not going to be in the Pac 12 with you in two years from now. But you don't want to give the Big Ten, which last we checked in the Rose Bowl, CJ Stroud, who grew up what, 30 minutes, 30 miles from USC, was setting records. You don't want to keep losing. Look at that. I mean, you go back to that Rose Bowl, how many West Coast players? We're making plays for Ohio State in that game in the year before in the Sugar Bowl when they beat Clemson. You had, you know, Amekek Buka, who was the fourth receiver, comes in with the two top receivers out, one of them being a San Diego kid and Chris Olave. He comes in, has the best game of his career. You have JT Tweed who's holding on to Cameron Rising's legs as he gets sacked and knocked out of the game. You have what CJ Stroud did. You know, you you have West Coast kids playing in the Rose Bowl. Playing for a Big Ten school, so you don't want that floodgate to be thrown open even more. That's why Mateo Uyongalele is such an important recruit to USC and to momentum. And we look and see how loaded the Bosco roster is. There's 40 plus players already with scholarships. You want to keep recruiting there, keep those elite players home, and that makes it easier to recruit there down the line.
2: Yeah, it could be a really interesting case study to what could potentially be maybe a trend for Lincoln Riley. And I think the on-field results will will matter a lot there uh, as USC shifts not only its tenure in, in terms of the coaching, but also maybe its stylistic and the way they look at, in terms of an attractiveness to college football recruits. From one player that USC really needs in this class to one that they look really, really good for. And that would be the number one tight end in the class. Deuce Robinson out of Pinnacle High School in North Phoenix, Arizona, six six two twenty five, number twenty nine nationally in the twenty four seven Sports rankings. Already took his official visit to USC. So if I'm the Trojans, if I'm a Trojans fan, that's possibly my only worry is that they've already. Had him on campus. He's still scheduled to take at least three more. Louisville's also in the mix there, could get a, an official visit. Texas, he'll be there for the Alabama game uh, September 10th. Uh, then he'll be at Georgia two weeks later. Uh, for his official visit there. Never count out the Bulldogs for a top tier tight end. And then he'll round out his officials with uh, Alabama on October 8th. That's what's scheduled so far. And I think, like I mentioned, USC has been looking really good there. They're certainly in the driver's seat. I, I think He's struck a really good relationship with, with Zachariah Brands, the number one receiver who's committed there, struck a relationship with Malachi Nelson, although still looks a little you know, interesting with Malachi Nelson having taken an official visit to Texas A&M in, in, in late July what's your vibe? What's your feel on on what potentially could be a big few months here for Deuce Robinson?
1: Well, if you look at the momentum that Louisville has built in recruiting in this cycle with players like DeAndre Moore, with Aaron Williams, you know, Ruben Owens, obviously Pierce Clarkson, kind of the, the ringleader, the Pied Piper effect. Well, then they get Deuce Robinson to go out in July. I think there's obviously reason to think, hey, Louisville might not be messing around here, but there has been such a long draw to USC. You know, people forget his dad, Dom Robinson, former Diamond bar high school star, went on to play at Florida State. You know, he was recruited by USC, but back when he was in high school, Paul Hackett was still the head coach at USC. They were kind of going through up and down seasons, and he went to Florida State. Now, 20 years, 20 plus years later, Deuce is going through the process. USC is very attractive. He's already had a relationship with Malachi Nelson and Makai Lemon. Early in the spring, there was a lot of buzz that those three guys would play together. Maybe Malachi Nelson's trip to Texas A&M has him thinking, maybe I should look at all of their options, but I still think USC is going to be a factor there. You look at USC's tight end recruiting this year. They've already got a commitment from Kate Eldridge out of Lyndon Washington, uh, Lyndon Christian, my wife's all mater going down to play at USC. But Walker Lyons, a guy that they look like they were going to you know, probably be in the top two or three, four, ended up committing to Stanford. There's a part of me that wonders, does that mean that there was a little bit more understanding on his part? Hey, they already got Eldridge coming in. Lyons is ranked higher than Eldridge. Lyons is going on at LDS Mission, so sure he's going to miss a year. But does the Deuce Robinson factor make it seem like hey USC is going to be okay at the tight end position even losing Lions and I got to think that USC is still going to be a prominent part of that recruitment down the stretch I know Blair you got out to go see him during the spring you got a chance to see him at the Elite 11 where he was one of the pass catchers and in fact it was at the Elite 11 a year ago and at the opening invitational where he catapulted into the number one tight end in the country but it looks like he's only gotten better since then.
2: Yeah, and and to kind of piggyback off of your point, Walker Lyons and Deuce Robinson were in LA for their official visits the same weekend. So maybe a little wink-wink action there uh, between the two tight ends. Really interesting dynamic. But yeah, this is a player who continues to improve, continues to make strides as a football player, a multi-sport star who actually spent uh, a week down in San Diego earlier this summer at the Area Code baseball game. So this is an invite-only elite you know baseball event where you know scouts are down there college coaches are down there it's it's you know the who's who of high school baseball and so this is a player who also has his, his options uh, out in front of him in terms of being able to be a, a 2 sports star uh, i had a little birdie tell me that it sounds like he's more of a football guy right now. He's maybe a bit ahead of where he is as a baseball player, but make no question about it. This is a player that's going to give it a shot. He's going to try to play both sports. And that's you know, that's what makes it interesting with his with his list, right? Georgia's a a really good baseball program. USC, maybe not so much, but traditionally has been known as a baseball school as well. Alabama, Texas, all those schools have uh, some decent baseball programs. Louisville, you know, churning out first round draft picks uh, every year. So uh, and this may not
1: mean this may mean something, it may mean nothing. But USC's new baseball coach, where did he just come from? Grand Canyon University in Phoenix, Arizona. So I guarantee you that Andy Stankovich, the former MLB player, is is very familiar with Deuce and his baseball playing ability, especially with Grand Canyon being one of the better non- Major programs uh, out west.
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the factors that I always look at with Deuce Robinson is, you know, how how big of a baseball mindset does he have heading into college? I know he wants to play both sports, uh, but what's the relationship like with some of these schools? So that's going to be interesting to monitor here uh, the next couple months as he takes some official visits. But that's the latest on Deuce Robinson. We're going to continue our conversation on the top five uncommitted prospects in the West Region. You are listening to the Twenty Four Seven Sports Football Recruiting Podcast We are back on the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast. Blair and Gulo with Brandon Huffman. Remember to like this video and subscribe to the YouTube channel, 24-7 Sports. We're bringing you live commitments throughout the season. We're going to bring you a lot of updates uh, as it pertains to college football recruiting as the the season kicks off. Uh, We will also be doing this regionally. We will go out to the East Coast. We'll do one on the Midwest. Uh, We'll go down South. Uh, This will be a running series here as we get prepared for the season and late taking a look at the five top uncommitted prospects in every region. Let's continue, Huff, our conversation on the West Coast. Two players from the state of Utah, Spencer Fano, Tausili Kana. Have yet to make their decisions. They will be taking official visits. Uh, let's begin with Talsilia Kana. He is uh, the number one edge rusher in the region. A player with tremendous upside. Originally from the state of Hawaii, uh, we spoke uh, about him uh, last, you know, earlier this week on the West of the Rest podcast in terms of his official visits. Uh, and he's got a really busy itinerary. I don't know if anyone's logged as many miles as <laughs> Talsilia Kana.
1: Well, the only one who could have would have been his dad, Brandon, who's still flying from Hawaii, uh, where he's the head basketball coach at Kahuku High School. He's got to go those extra 3,000 miles just to get
2: to the mainland. And he was there for his season opener last Friday. So he's got official visits lined up with Texas. He will also be there for the Alabama game on September 10th. Then after that, he's got two more set in October, LSU, October 7th, Oklahoma, October 14th. And then Texas A&M will get an official visit November 4th. Uh, the other schools that are potentially pushing for that fifth and final official visit, Tennessee and Oregon. So he's got a, an SEC flavor. We, we hinted it. We suggested it. It, it looks like Tausila kind of will, will be playing his his football in the SEC unless, you know, Oregon's able to, you know, kind of pull off a, a shocker in a way there. But, it, it, you know, this is, I think, one of those interesting battles where he's gathered a ton of info. He's been able to get a lot of information. He's been able to really, you know, I I think weigh the options and, you know, figure out what he likes, what he doesn't like. And for him to settle on these schools is pretty significant. I don't know if a game day atmosphere is going to win him over because, like I said, he's done his research. But I think relationships, I think, you know, a a potential NIL deal, all this sort of stuff is these are factors for him,
1: you know, and. Granted, they were in different sports, but his two older sisters were both recruited to play volleyball. In fact, one of his sisters just transferred from Nebraska to now go to Texas, where they also have a commitment to the Texas football side from Leona Lafau, who's another one of his good friends, his former teammate at Akahuku, but you mentioned it, relationships. So, he's been to these towns, he's been on unofficial visits, he's been to these schools throughout the process for himself, for his sisters. He knows what these schools offer. He knows what these towns offer, and that's where the relationship aspect is so Clutch and it's so key, and that's what's going to be something that may work in Texas's favor. He's got a great relationship with Pete Kwiatkowski, the defensive coordinator there, who also has recruited you know the West extensively from his time at the University of Washington. Obviously, Steve Sarkeesian has had tremendous success out West. You know, going back to when he was an assistant coach at USC, to then being the head coach at Washington at SC and offensive coordinator at Alabama, and now at Texas. Then you have Leona. Then you have his sister. There's a lot of factors that you know make Texas seem like they could be a, a favorite here, but those aren't just the obvious things that a guy like Tosili is going to you know, fall under the spell of. He is going to do his homework. He's been doing his homework
2: extensively. And that's why those visits these fall are so crucial to his recruitment. Yeah, he told me he will be taking all all of his official visits before he makes a decision. So he's definitely one that will be getting a lot of headlines here in the next couple months. Spencer Fano has already taken one official visit. He's the number one rated offensive lineman in the West Region from Tint View High School in Provo, 6'5", 270. Uh, Makes it look easy. Uh, He's so refined technique-wise, but he's got a nasty streak that he really like as well. He's going to take the visits, he told me. He wants to be able to get out to some schools. Michigan which he already went to unofficially, will get an an official visit. He'll be there for the Michigan State game. But, you know, the interesting thing there is that he's also considering Michigan State. So it'll be an opportunity for him to knock out two schools on one trip and potentially look at how Michigan State sets up Uh, along the offensive line. Another school he wants to take an official to is Oregon. That will happen sometime in the months of of September or October. Uh, He's potentially looking at the BYU game for that Oregon trip. Uh, And he's got a tremendous relationship with Adrian Clem, who used to coach his close uh he used to coach is is a you know one of his close friends in terms of the the coaching circles and uh, the training circles that would be Xavier Suofilo at at UCLA and then he's trying to figure out what he's going to do with the other official visits you know USC is in there Miami is in there which was recruiting him really heavily with the previous staff being at Oregon Mario Cristobal and Alex Merrigal and that, you know, if I had to wager, I would have said Oregon was going to land him when Mario Crystal Ball was there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if they're able to draw him across the country to go take an official visit to Miami, Penn State's involved, uh, USC, UCLA, you know, th- these are all schools that are pushing there. BYU still has the, the Crystal Ball predictions, but I feel less and less confident that that's where he'll end up. His brother Logan plays there. It's right down the street from, from Tintview. And, you know, I'm looking at the situation and I think the more and more it's dragged on and, and the more the more time he's taken, uh, I think the, the more likely it happens that he potentially leaves the region huff.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think you mentioned this before, but his LDS pl- mission plans, we talked about Walker Lyons taking his immediately. Aren't his plans very similar to Xavier Suofilo, where he plans to go play a year and then go serve his mission? Or his, has his plans been adjusted at all by recruiting? Because it doesn't seem like any of the schools are worried about there, – there's a lot of schools that will back off a recruit if he plans to take his LDS mission early in his career – or before he starts his career, but judging by the schools recruiting him, you know, the the LDS mission may not be as prominent on the front end, but what's the latest that, because I think, you know, that could also have a bearing on who he picks on where he goes.
2: Yeah. So from what I've gathered, Spencer Fano does want to take a mission at some point, but it won't happen immediately. He will enroll early. He'll sign in December. He'll get to whatever college he he picks right after the All-American Bowl. Then he'll take a week off to go to the Polynesian Bowl in Hawaii. So this, all of this will happen in the month of January. Then he'll be on a college campus for his freshman season. And then he'll make a decision, right? And that's what Xavier Suafilo was able to do at UCLA. I think he's been able to, you know, pick his brain a little bit about what that process will like. And, you know, I'm not ruling out uh, no mission either. I think this is a player who I think will make a decision closer to when he has to. And like you mentioned, I think this affects recruitments more so than we we tend to think or or, or tend to talk about, but it hasn't really affected his recruitment. These are all heavy hitters going after Spencer Fauno Let's wrap up the top five uncommitted in the West region with Roderick Pleasant. He is maybe the fastest recruit in the West, would you say, Huff? I mean it's you know, he's one of the better yeah, one of the better players nationally, you know, on the perimeter, where he's able to match up one on one, and has been a, a track star nationally. I know here for the last year, year and a half. Uh, what's the latest on on his football recruitment?
1: Yeah, I mean, just to, to reiterate the track side of it, I believe he's the first junior since Kalfani Muhammad at Notre Dame High School, who ultimately played at Cal, to win the 100 meter and 200 meter state uh, state titles in the state of California. So we know that the speed is there. You know, he's already set a goal uh, of either hitting the 10-second mark or breaking 10 seconds his senior year, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if he did that. He already took an official visit to Boston College back in June, which is kind of a, you know, I don't want to say a random school, but Jeff Halfley coming out to the West Coast and getting Pleasant to visit. They actually got a couple of guys from the West Coast to take a visit, Uh, but then you have the official visit to Cal coming up in October, and then you have the official visit to Oregon in November. USC is all but a lock to get an official visit, whether it's during the season, whether it's after the season, they're going to get an official from him. So then it comes down to Penn State and UCLA to see who gets that fifth and final visit. He named the top six that included Boston College and Penn State. Then it was USC, UCLA, Oregon. Cal as well. So, you know, maybe he goes to the ACC with Boston College. Maybe he goes to the Big 10 with Penn State and soon to be Big 10 schools, USC and UCLA. Maybe he stays in the Pac-12 footprint. But this is one, you know, Blair, you and I have been covering recruiting a long time together. When we see speedy DBs from Gardena, Sarah, where do they usually end up? Usually, right?
2: I mean, I'm I'm getting a, I'm getting a Dory Jackson flashbacks. Um, yes. I'm getting you know th- this is a player who I think understands his value and there's no need to make a decision. But I think we've always felt that USC was the leader in the clubhouse. They they need playmakers on the defensive side of the ball. They need the the speed on on the perimeter. We've seen it the last few years, especially under Clay Helton and and and, and you know whatever we want to call that defense that Dante Williams was running out there last year. This is a team that needs guys that make plays you know they had maybe one or two but when you think about the great usc teams they had five six dudes on on every level that were making plays uh this is a player who's going to be able to blanket one side of the field things still developing and he's still raw and as you would expect from a track star that you know spends half of his time and, and half of his energy focusing on getting faster linearly uh from a linear standpoint is the linearly a word um, oh, well, it's works for me. <laughs> we'll go with it. But from a straight line speed, this is a player who has it all right. And he's still developing. So I think you know, he's he's right now, you, you have to feel good about USC and, and where they stand with him and, and his recruitment. But uh, like I said, with Deuce, and when, like I said, with, with uh, Mateo, we younger to kick off this podcast, I think it will matter how USC looks at least early on in the season. Uh, if they're able to get off to a really good start, watch out because the USC recruiting machine will then get going uh, once again. Huff,
1: anything else before we go? Yeah, I just, you know, just to kind of piggyback on that, you know, the, the one thing USC also doesn't have to worry about is they don't have to worry about UC Regents trying to block their move to the Big Ten. USC knows they're going to the Big Ten in 2024, adding a player like a Roger Pleasant or a Deuce Robinson or some of the other guys that they're after, Mateo. You know, those are the kind of players that they are going to need to be able to not just compete in the Big Ten, but if their desire with Lincoln Riley's hiring is to compete for national championships. you got to get past those teams that have been winning big 10 championships in recent years, namely Ohio state. So you can't be losing recruiting battles to Ohio state, but when we've seen Ohio state these last few years, what's been so impressive. And this goes back to the urban Meyer era was how well he was able to recruit speedy players. And how much of an emphasis, obviously, his time being at Florida, he knew the importance of speed. USC, with a guy like Roger Pleasant, does that's the kind of speed they're going to need with some of those bigger, faster receivers at the Big Ten. You know, Blair, I grew up going to the Rose Bowl in the 80s and the 90s. When it was the speed and athleticism of the Pac-12 against the big guys from the Big Ten, that has changed. The Big Ten is not just a big power conference. There's plenty of speed there. So that means a guy like a Roger Pleasant, that's the kind of guy that USC, they don't want to lose a pipeline school like they did with, for a couple of times there with modern day when they lost the Bryce Young. They want to keep that pipeline to Sarah that they've had for a long time, but they also don't have to worry about any UC regions trying to say, hey, you can't go. USC in two years
2: from now, they're
1: not just saying fight on, they're saying peace out,
2: Pac-12. Wow, that's a double That's a double dandy right there with the, the, the hand usage. Brandon, Pleasure as always. Can't wait to do it again. Anytime, Blair. All right, that is the National Recruiting Editor for 24-7 Sports, Brandon Huffman. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Huffman. We will continue our conversation on the top five uncommitted players in every region, so remember you check back in to this podcast feed, like the video, subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. For Brandon Huffman, I am Blair Angulo. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the 24-7 Sports Football Recruiting Podcast.